Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. All right. I'm, when I teach, I try, to, I try to shift your paradigm. I'll tell you right now, you don't think right. And even as a believer, you, many of you just, you're skewed. Your, your thoughts are skewed. We need to line up our thinking process with the Word of God. And if you don't know the Word, you will not know how to live and what God expects of you. So what we're going to do this morning, hopefully, is shift some things. So you can th- see uh, as God sees. So, are you ready? Let's pray. Father, we just believe today. You're going to inspire our hearts. You're going to change our minds. Lord, even as Romans 12 says, Lord, we're not going to be conformed to the world, but we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I pray a renewing would take place today that we could say, oh, my word, look what God is, has done and look what God is doing. We pray grace, grace now in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. I often wondered why... If God was so powerful and church was what was so important, why aren't communities with a lot of churches being tra- changed? You'll go into, into communities and there's all these churches and a lot of Christians in a community, but nothing seems to change as far as the impact. And so I, as I began to study God's word and I'm going to share some things that have taken a long time for God to get in me. I was born on Wednesday and I was in church on Sunday. So I've been a long time at this. My dad was a pastor. And, and, uh, but I'm going to try to explain some things to you because I'm a teacher and I just love to get people's thought processes correct. Because you will act upon what the way you think. And if you don't think right, you won't act right. Now... So, as I began to search scripture, I, began, I found out something that Christianity isn't quite what I thought it was. And I want to, I want to change your thinking today to line up with God's word. So follow me, okay? So, we know that uh, there is a determined will of God. The determined will of God is the will. Now, you guys stay with me. Put your thinking caps on. I'm going to tell you stories, but I want you to stay with me. Uh, God has a determined will, meaning that that will is determined. It will never change. However, there are times and seasons where God wants us to actually change what he's thinking to do. And you'll see this with Moses. Moses convinced God not to destroy Israel. Abraham comes along and he, he entreats God and God changes his his will, he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah right away, but he waited. Yeah. Abraham changed his mind. And there's, there's, there's way we, ways we can change God's mind. But you have to understand how God thinks first if you're going to do what I just said. So notice this. I'm going to go to the most important scripture in the Old Testament, then I'm going to go to the most important scripture in the New Testament. It might be different than what you think. So... We, we go to Matt, or Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Now, this, this, is, 
this scripture is mind-boggling. I could preach a week on this, but I, I'll just uh, say a few things. I don't want this up here. I'll, uh, I, I will knock it off. If, okay. Good catch, Michelle. Good job. Just, just seeing if you're awake. Then God said, verses Genesis 1:26. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion." Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. A bunch of creepers. Right, you know, right there. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, etc., male and female. Then God blessed them. This is the key verse, verse 28. Then God blessed them, speaking of Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And that was God's mandate to mankind. Let me say it again. He blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over everything. So here's God. Now you have to understand, God does not think like we do. God doesn't think we're a religion. Now, so God comes along and he, now think about this. God decided to put heavenly citizens on earth to actually tend the earth and extend it. In other words, God wanted earth to line up and look like heaven. And so he put citizens of heaven on the earth. He put his will and his purpose, his determined will in Adam and Eve. And he told him that. He spoke it to them and he said, okay, do it. In other words, God thinks of, of, his, of his realm as a kingdom. God does not think of his realm as a church, a religion, or I should say a religion or Christianity. I don't even, to be honest with you, I'm not real favorable to the word Christian because everybody thinks they're a Christian. But God thinks in kingdom terms. So he thinks in the kingdom of God realm. So he comes to them and he gives them a determined will. He says, this is way, the way I want you to think. I want you to understand you're going to subdue, you're going to multiply, you're going to have take dominion. And so that was his mandate. And he expected Adam and Eve to extend his kingdom rule on earth, to spread it out and be his, his rule on earth. And then, if you notice this, then we, we have something amazingly happen. So we have this eternal plan of God. He puts it into man. He places kingdom citizens there. In other words, they colonize it. And, and they became... The Bible says they became kings and priests. You will see that this in Exodus 19. You will see in 1 Peter 2. You will see it in Revelation. I'm, I have to go quick. Yeah. <laughs> Revelation 1, it says we are a kingdom of priests. Yeah. In other words, we are royalty. We're, we're kings and we're priests. Yeah. In other words, royalty, we're sons and daughters of the king. And priesthood is, is what we do. So... Yeah. Kingship is who we are, it's our position, and priesthood is what we do. We're kings and priests. God put that in us. He put that in the very beginning, you say throughout, throughout the Bible, so as, as kings and priests. Now, what happens is this, this, saint, this snake comes along, and we know it be, being Satan or the Satan. He comes along, and he deceives them. And they, they sin, and what happened is uh, Satan took the title deed of the earth that God gave to Adam and Eve. He took the title deed away, Satan did, uh, of, of God to himself. 
And so Adam and Eve didn't lose a religion. They lost a kingdom. Stay with me. So get, your, get this churchy, Christianity, religiosity thing out of your mind. It has nothing to do with it. This whole book is the narrative of how God gets back His kingdom to us. That's the whole, that's the whole purpose. It isn't about how much we do so and so and we, have a, we live a, by a bunch of rules. No, it's the kingdom of God. That's why he says in the New Testament, seek first the kingdom. He didn't say seek first the church. He didn't say seek first worship. He didn't say seek first any characteristics. He said seek first the kingdom of God, which is the rule of God. Understand the kingdom. So God places the kingdom. He puts citizens on the earth. The citizens lost the kingdom. God comes along and he begins to write a narrative and put in place the way that he would grab back the kingdom to himself so he could implement his rule on the earth. What he always wanted was his kingdom citizens to extend his rule wherever they were. So you know what that tells me? Church people don't know their kingdom people. If they knew they were kingdom people, they would be taking back the land that God gave them. Communities would look like God, not like Satan. Okay, so watch this. So God writes the narrative. We know the story. Jesus comes back. Jesus uh, was, was uh, killed, died on the cross, buried, and rose again. Now, it's interesting because Ephesians 4.11 tells us and following tells us something interesting. We often think that, that after he died on the cross, it was just kind of blah. No, there was activity happening. The Bible says that Jesus went to hell and took captivity captive. In other words, in, in, in Hades, they call it Hades at the time. I'm giving you a lot of theology today, so stay with me. So he, he goes to hell. Hell is, there's a divide between the, the, the unrighteous and the righteous. The unrighteous are on the paradise side. The unrighteous are on Hades' side. And he, the Bible says he goes and takes captivity captive and takes the keys of hell back from Satan, which means he takes the title deed of the kingdom back. Right? They lost it, but he takes it back, and he takes captivity captive, and he takes him to heaven. All right? You with me? So then he rises from the dead, and he goes to tell his disciples what he just did. Are you getting goosebumps yet? <laughs> and then he begins to teach them. He gave them a 40-day Bible college setting on what he just did. Oh, and so as he began to explain things to them, we see that he had already instructed them what he was going to do. For we see in uh, Matthew, we're going to go to the most, most, most important scripture in the New Testament now, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse uh, 17, 18, 19. Now I'll give you the setting here. Jesus and his disciples are talking. They're, they're, they're having a nice discussion. And, and Jesus happens. Now everything Jesus says is for a purpose. And he, he knows the answers before he asks them. But he, he does it anyway because he wants them to say it. So uh, he asks them, who do people say that I am? Oh, some say you're Elijah. Others, John the Baptist. Isaiah, they list a bunch of people. But Peter comes along and says, no, 
You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus turns to Peter. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. You can see this in the scripture. I'm, I'm quoting it now. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not re re revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven, the king, who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, or the gates of Hades. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, follow me carefully. There's a, scripture, there's a scriptural principle called first mention principle. It's a hermeneutical principle, meaning biblical interpretation of the Bible. A first mention principle means that wherever a word is, is given first time in the Bible is the most important significance that it has. This is the first mention of church in the Bible. So we have Jesus comes along, and he's, he's, he's trying to get in them uh, the understanding of the whole kingdom because they don't understand that because they've been, they've been with Pharisees and Sadducees and, and all these other C's, you know, going on. And, and they don't understand the kingdom, and so he's trying to teach them. And along, he comes along, and he says to Peter, he says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not given. But I say to you, you're a Peter. He just changed his name. Yes, right. In that moment, he changed his name. Why? Because he had revelation. Revelation changes your name. What is a name change? A name change is a, is a nature change. It's the function. A name change means, means the nature of your life has changed. So upon that revelation of, of basically the kingdom, Peter's life was changed and his name was changed. And then Jesus says, and he says, upon this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'm going I'm to give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Now watch this. He's, he's trying to get, remember, he's rewriting. Jesus came back to bring the kingdom back to us. Yes. He didn't come back to give us religion. Yes, right. He came back to give us a kingdom. Yes. Once you receive Jesus, you're a kingdom citizen. Yes. And so he comes back and he says this, watch this. This is, this is powerful here. And he says, upon that rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. In other words, we have to have revelation to have his church built. This is the first mention of church. Church is the word ecclesia in the Bible. It means called out ones. In that day, all the disciples and everybody knew what a church was because church was just called out people to do anything. They could have a crocheting church. They could have an athletic church. They were just called out to do something. But Jesus says, I'm going to build my called out ones. I'm going to build my church. And then he says the very first function he says to them, when he builds his church, basically, he says, and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. In other words, when I build my church, I'm going to go back to the very beginning. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom that I wanted to give to Adam and Eve in the, in the beginning. I'm going to give them to you, and you're going to take authority over, over death, hell, and Hades, and you're going to bind and loose. That, so, in other words, God's determined will is being, has been set in us to do God's will in his kingdom, not just his religion. We're really not a religion. So, God wants to return us to his plan. He sent his son to do it. 
We're the called out ones. We're the kings and priests. Kingship is our relationship with God. It's our position. Priesthood is our function. So, the church... You still with me? This is so good. You know, you... All this Star Trek, Star Wars is nothing compared to God's Star Trek and Star Wars. You start, you start understanding his kingdom, it'll blow, your, it'll blow your mind. And so he comes along, and in the middle of this planet that he lost, he took the title deed, he gives it back to us as members of his church. So he takes... The church is God's idea. He takes the church and puts it right in the middle of this planet of evil. And he says, I'm going to build my church, my ecclesia, my called at ones, and they're going to have authority. So within the, within the church, he establishes a system or universal principles in which he operates. I like to call it kind of a matrix. It's a matrix. A matrix is a material in which something is embedded. And the church and its role and systems is kind of a matrix that God took from heaven and placed in the middle of the earth to make a difference because if you go to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew, if you read it over and over, you will find that we are kingdom citizens to be salt and light. When God places the church here, we're to be salt and light. What does salt do? It is a, a preservative. They didn't have refrigerators back then. How do they preserve their food? With salt. You are salt. You preserve. In fact, I maintain that if you take all the, the Christians, the believers, that really understand that they're believers, they're kingdom citizens, out of the earth, there will be instant chaos. Instant. We are salt and we are light. What is light? It guides people to the truth. There is no such thing as darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of light. You take light and salt out of the earth, instant darkness, instant chaos. Now, <laughs> you still with me? So the church and its role in systems is otherworldly. It's almost like it's out of this world. The church has been placed here as a mechanism that's not earthly, it's heavenly. Now, I think, I'll just be honest with you, I think we've usurped the purpose of the church for our use. Not God's. If we were doing God's purpose in the church, things would be a lot different we would put our emphasis on different things. But, you know, for instance, how, how, do you, how do you choose? How do most people choose a church? Well, they were really good to me and they were nice to me and they served me and they did all this for me. No, and that's not really the best. Now, God does a bait and switch. You come in for that reason, he switches it. He says, no, that, you know, you chose that way, but I'm gonna, I want you to do something else. Because, see, the church isn't about you. It's about God and his will to bring his kingdom influence into the world. My, this is what I'd say. If this church caught what I'm saying, caught the principles of the kingdom of God, and operated in his matrix, 
with his will and his tools, you would change Orange County in a short amount of time. Now you say, well, how could that? I can tell you. The, the, the disciples caught it after Jesus rose from, uh, after he rose to heaven was ascended. They caught it within just a couple of years. The whole known world knew who they were. Why? Because they were operating in kingdom principles. They were operating in this. So, Jesus is building his, his church, his called out ones, his system, his matrix. Now, you still with me? Prayer is a heavenly matrix made to be embedded in us, and the church is to fulfill God's eternal purpose through his kingdom work. God's kingdom doesn't work without a communication system or a power grid. What's God's power grid? Prayer. Now, there are different levels of prayer. Let me just give it to you. And I have to do some little, you know, some teaching. Uh, I'm just going to give you three. There's more, actually, but I'm going to give you three. There's three levels of prayer. There is there's petition, and that's just you asking. God says, you have not because you ask not. You need to learn how to petition God. That's why God gave you the Lord's Prayer. And I have a whole teaching on the Lord's Prayer, how you do that, etc. Learn how to ask God. That's you personally. The next level is devotion. Devotion is what you do in your heart to connect with God. You, 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 and for instance, the way I get in devotion, I get into a prayer. I was on the plane here, and I, I have headphones, so I just, what I do is I take out my prayer, my, my song list, and I go to it. I don't care what they're thinking, you know, I'm going like this in the seat and have these people around me. Because I'm, I'm devoted. I mean, I'm having devotions in a sense. I get into worship and God begins to speak to me. I find when the, the most revelation I get is when I'm in, in, in worship, in devotions. Revelation just comes. And so we have devotion because a king, now watch this. This is interesting because Proverbs says that it's the king's right to find out treasure. To find out a matter. You're a king. You have the right to find out the treasure. How do you find the treasure? God doesn't shout. He whispers. You have to get close to God. And so as you get close to God, you, you have this devotional interaction. Now that's the second level. That's personal. So we have petition. We have devotion. The third level, the highest level, is actually intercession. Intercession. Intercession is, is God's way. It's God's... It's God's uh, uh, co- connection with him to actually influence the world with his kingdom principles. Yeah. Now, have you ever heard of an EMP? Yeah. What's an EMP? It's electrical magnetic pulse. Yeah. Oh, when I've been back in D.C., I work with uh, congressmen and senators. One of the things they're scared about is an EMP. An EMP pulse, a bomb, it would go off that would destroy our power grid. And they say within one, if that happened throughout the United States, within one year, half of our population would be dead. That's what would, the impact of it. Now, the point being that if you destroy God's power grid, there's no, there's no power, there's no influence. So what would Satan like to do? I think he EMPs us all the time. He gets you out of prayer. He doesn't want you in prayer. He separates you from, you don't, he does, if I was Satan, but if I was, I would get you to stop praying. 
That's what I do. I, that's a, that's, if I could do that, I, I would have won. Oh, wow. And so we see this. Now, this is the internal power system. So we've got to understand the power of intercession, which is, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you in just a minute, but the, the power to bind, bind and loose. Yeah, right. yeah. The power to bind and loose. He says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom, and you'll be able to bind on earth. It'll be bound in heaven. Now, there's four purposes that God came to us. Stay with me here. There's four purposes that God gave us as, as kingdom citizens. When you became a kingdom citizen, he wanted four things to happen in your life. First of all, he wanted you to uh, mimic his character. He wanted to bring his character to you. In other words, he made man in his image. He wanted to make you in his likeness. So you remind him of himself. You should look like God. Now, that doesn't, not the outward appearance, the inner, right? We all need to look like God. For instance, when you, I got to tell you this, uh, we have babies all over the place at our house. (laughs) Eight years ago, we had... Uh, Chris and Kelly, our oldest son, who's a pastor at the church of Boise now, he had, they, they, they weren't able to have kids, so they adopted twins. Yeah. And eight year, you know, years go by, so they're now eight, and they adopted the sister, full-blood sister, one year later. Well, last year, they find out they're pregnant yeah. with twins. Yeah. <laughs> Several months go by, and Kelly comes to us and says, we're pregnant again with twins. This is the third set of twins. They're due in a month. We got babies everywhere. But do you know? So she will have had four kids in 13 months. That's wonderful, but that's hard, you know? But it's wonderful. Those kids are just awesome. But let me, when the babies come out, do you know one of the first questions everybody asks? Who do they look like? Always. Who do they look like? Well, Kingsley looks like Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Presley looks like Kelly. Yeah. And you just, you know, that's the way it is. You always, who do they look like? Yeah. My question is, who do you look like? Yeah. Second function that God wants for us in his kingdom is reproduction. I just told you that. God wants a lot of children. Not, not just naturally, but spiritually. He wants, he wants a big family. So he's expecting us to extend the earth extend his rule so he can have a lot of kids. Yeah. And so that's what, what he wants. He said this, be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. Okay? So that's why we have an evangelistic mandate. Yeah. The third thing he wants to do is he, and we did this this morning, he wants us to learn to love him and appreciate him or worship him. Every, every dad, every mom want, loves the time when the children come and says, Dad, I just love you. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like it. Now it gets to the point, it's grandkids. Papa, I just love you. Oh, what do you want? You know? Anything. I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. You know? But that's, that's what God wants. How, how, how much are you in love with God? How, are you telling him? Are you worshiping him? Now, I'm not just talking about in church. The fourth thing is, are you still with me? The fourth thing he wants in our life is he wants us to take dominion or have a vocation. It's a ministry vocation. And he says this interestingly enough. In the Jewish mindset, every child always took on the vocation of the parents. Jesus, what did he do in the natural? He took on the vocation of his father, Joseph. He became a carpenter. 
God wants us to take on his vocation. What is that? To rule and reign. To rule and reign. And in ruling and reigning, we learn this powerful thing of intercession. Are you still with me? In fact, I would say, and I've, I've said this for years, I would say that praying is teaching us how to rule and reign. It's a training seminar. And in doing so, we learn to bind and loose. We, 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 we will do that. We'll learn to bind and loose. Isaiah 56, 7 says, my house should be called a house of prayer. There's this, there's this sense that God wants us to intercede. What is intercession? Intercession is more corporate. We gather together in prayer. How would it be like, now I was just thinking about this this morning because this, uh, we've been in corporate prayer for years. We started our church in prayer. There was a prophetic word that, that said our church would see fruit through the power of prevailing prayer. So we started praying as soon as we, we, we uh, came out of the womb in a sense. And, and we began to pray. And our church is birthed in prayer. This church was started because we prayed for you. We prayed you into existence. I'm just telling you. You think you guys had a lot to do with this? No, not much. You just showed up one day because we called you. Now, this is what we do in prayer. Now, this is, I, oh, I, there's too much in my head. Stop clock. Okay. We, 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 we pray this all the time in our corporate prayer. We go to the north, the south, the east, and west. Do you remember this, Santiago? We go to the north, south, east, and west. We turn to it. And as, as a group, we, we would all together, we would say, we call unto you north. Give up the people of God. Give up the heirs of salvation. Let them go in Jesus' name. We turn to the south. We do the same. Give up the people of God. Give up the heirs of salvation. Let them go in Jesus' name. We did this as a corporate. We did it for years. And we just, we grew our church through calling out them, calling them into being. I remember people getting the baptism tanks. Says, I'm from the north. And they would go down to the waters of baptism and come back up, you know. You, you grow the church through prayer, through intercession, together. The, uh, and there's, uh, there's New Testament. I don't have time to go over the New Testament words, but it's uh, according to the first mentioned principle, the uh, uh, prayer, intercession, binding and loosing is basically what it is, is the main purpose of the church. It's the main purpose. If, that, if the first mentioned principle tells you the significance of that word, church means that we are to learn to bind and loose. And it's the main purpose of the church. What would happen if this church caught it? I, I would guarantee this, this community would change. There would be an influence, there would be salt and light just moving. And so we see this. We are God's priests, kingdom, we are kingdom of priests, we're kings and priests given to operate in our first principle or our main purpose, which is prayer. And it's just not prayer personally. I think every church, and I'm, I'm, we're building this in our church too, every church should have hours of church, every, or hours of prayer every week corporately. Yeah. You have to build it. You don't start out that way. I think eventually every church should have uh, hours of prayer every week and 24-hour prayer that's going on with someone in that church. Yeah. What would happen? Yeah. Na, 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 na. <laughs> Tell me about it. And so what, what, what I'm saying is this. Intercession, this intercession, the prayer of intercession 
is childlike confidence standing in for another. See, intercession as a priest, I am just praying for someone else or something else. We've done this in Washington for years, and it is amazing what happens when you just agree with God and you stand out with God. And we, we, we have to understand this. The, the first Hebrew word for intercession is palal. That's in the Old Testament. It means to pray, intervene as a judge, to come between two parties. The other word for, for intercession is paga, which means to, to encounter, meet with, stretch, strike, touch, or to attack, or extend borders. And so I, I see this in, interesting um, area of, of intercessory prayer is actually the spear that focuses with authority on a desired circumstance, event, or person or nation with strategic targeting. And when we begin to pray, things begin to break up because we have the power to bind and loose. Notice what he said. He said, I'm going to give you the power to bind on earth and it will be bound in heaven. He didn't say it's going to be bound in heaven first. He's going to be bound on earth first, and then I will respond to your binding on earth, and I will bind it in heaven. Meaning this, that Jesus already returned to heaven. You're not going to hear the voice of Jesus anymore because you are the voice of Jesus. And that you're the body of Christ. You're his hands, his feet, his, his, his mouth. That's why I say this all the time. The battle of the universe is around your tongue. He expects you to say things... That bring life. You see, we're made in the image of God. How did God create? By speaking. How do you create? By speaking. So we speak life. So the battle of the universe is around your tongue. If God can get you to pray and prophesy and, and worship and do all the things that and testify to the goodness of God, what is happening? Life is going out. Life is going out. If the devil can get you to slander and gossip and complain... Then death goes out. Battle of the universe around your tongue. Because you're made in the image of God. So what do we do today? We, we, we use our tongue. When you come to church, all you do is use your tongue. You worship, you praise, you testify, you, pray, you, you preach, you prophesy. You, everything we do around the church is, is about that. Because what are you doing? You're extending his kingdom. Now I thought about this. What if we had prayer meetings like we had worship meetings this morning? That was great worship. I like that last song. Did you guys write that? That's really good. Uh, but what if, what if we had, because I always say this, worship and prayer are twins that work together. Worship is the ballistic missile that the capsule of prayer sits on. It blasts off through the atmosphere and the capsule is given to its purpose. That's why we, you always want to you know, bring together uh, both the worship and the, and the prayer. Yeah. And you have to understand, today I'm just seeding you some things. Yeah. Because prayer is more caught than taught. Yeah. Got to catch it. Once you catch it, it's just, you see, prayer shouldn't be a duty. Yeah. Prayer should be the privilege of a king. Yeah. I get to speak heaven's interest on earth. And it's done because Matthew 18, 19 says, if two of you agree is touching anything on earth, it will be done. Whoa, really? Yes. Now that, that wasn't me writing. That was God. And so we see this intercession. You've got to catch it. We can bind on earth. Or we bind this and we loose this. 
We, we bound, the reason why Rochelle's here today, because we bound her to the will of God. She had no choice. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. We bound both, all three of the children to the will of God. Connie would pray, they'd be terrible sinners. They'd just be terrible sinners. And we just bound them to the will of God and the purposes of God. Let the power of God come on. We just, we just bound them. What, what happened? Heaven heard our prayer and put it into existence. So bind is to, is, is to uh, just take something and give it to God and let him loose his purpose in it. Now, oh, where should I go, Lord? Okay. So let me just say this. We as the church need to, need to return to our first call, which is intercession. It's the highest, it's the highest uh, place a priest can operate in. I, I, I want to tell you the story. One day a young man in Alexander the Great's army was caught running from the battle. And as he was running, he was brought to Alexander, and, and he, he was really scared. And he said, sir, my name is Alexander. And, of course, Alexander the Great was filled with a lot of anger towards him because he was such a coward. And he said, he said to him, what did you say your name was? He said, my name is Alexander. And Alexander the Great approached him and, stared straight into his face and said, young man, either change your conduct or change your name. Can I tell you, church, change your conduct or change your name. We've got to either operate as kingdom, kingdom priests as God intended. No, I'm just, I'm just saying our emphasis is, is great today, but I don't think we're operating the way God wants if, if this church would get filled with the prayer message and the seed of prayer, it would change everything. It would change you. It would change the community because we're salt and light. And it would change everything that we're talking about. I, I remember uh, talking about this, this uh, uh, intercession uh, during a graveyard shift in a subway station. And this is the result of prayer. One of the workers leaned against the rail. This is years ago in New York City. And he was looking down at the subway tracks uh, a couple floors below, and suddenly the rail broke, and, and he plunged 20 feet to the tracks, and he was knocked unconscious. And of course, the onlookers were horrified. And then there was, he saw the train bearing down on him. It was uh, directly, he was directly in the path of, of this train. And as people stared in shock, something invisible picked the man's body up and threw him parallel to the tracks, out of the way of the train as the train flew by. Of course, he was kind of woke up then, unharmed and unshaken at that time. He stood up and what, what, he looked at the onlookers. What happened? And they didn't have any answer. After a shift, the man returned home, and he found his six-year-old daughter waiting for him with tears. Running to him, she threw her arms around him and said, Daddy, I'm so glad to see you. In the middle of the night, an angel woke me up and told me to pray for your safety. I'm so glad you're alive. A little girl changed the course of a man's life. I have friends who are missionaries in particularly the Far East, Indonesia, Malaysia, different places in the, in the East. And they tell me this, the greatest intercessors today really are children. They have whole prayer teams of children who are changing the world. Now, what would happen if we adults caught this? And we started praying and, and, and believing God. And, and let, let me say this, that, that paga, the word paga, prayer, means to extend the boundaries. Push them out. 
You can see this in the book of Joshua. The word paga is used a lot with the, the predetermined uh, uh, boundaries of God were set for each tribe. But each tribe had to go in and push out the enemy and take, take authority over that. And so we see that basically the devil tries to set boundary lines in your life that are always to shrink you, to bind you, to pull you back because he tries to ruin your life. But God has a preordained boundary for your life. And through intercessory prayer, you need to believe Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. You see, I believe through intercessory prayer, we, we will be given a capacity to extend our border lines. I think God has given us a 10,000 acre ranch in which we live on one acre. You've got to push it out. The only way you'll push it out is through prayer. You can't hope it. You've got to push it out. And let me say this. Prayer is always said. There's no such thing as silent prayer. I hear people say, well, let's bow in silent prayer. That's, that's meditation. That's not prayer. The, you look through the Bible. It says, when you pray, say. You've got to say. And that's why when you pray, you call heaven. Remember, we're kingdom citizens here. So when we pray in intercession together, it is, it is amazing what could happen. Because we pray, the, king, the, the Lord's Prayer says, your kingdom come. When you pray, pray this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come on earth, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray his kingdom, his will, out of heaven on earth. In other words, heaven has a will for earth. We got to call it out. We got to call it to earth. It's not going to happen because we want it, wish it, hope it. It will happen as you pray it. Oh, come on. So, through, I'm telling you, if, you will, if, if we start doing this, we, we can actually uh, go back to our God-ordained boundaries and we can, we can actually uh, call, de call the devil's bluff and, and push him out of where he is. And so we see this. We can eliminate enemy activity. We can authorize God to meet with us. And God will give us the keys of the kingdom. And we can pronounce what God says and let it be done. Amen. I'll, I'll end with this, this story. Is this making sense? Oh, it's only 12.15. Maybe I'll go another half an hour. A pastor uh, was ministering in a, southern, a South American country. And he brought an intercessory team with him, and they were basically enforcing God's power through intercession. And the last night, he was speaking. He was told about something that a team member had just seen in that village that day. He said it was a little girl, six or seven years old, tied to a tree. They then asked the family, why is this girl tied to that tree? And she kind of lived there like a dog. In the backyard, nasty, filthy, helpless, alone. And her parents said, she's just crazy. She's crazy. We, we can't control her. She hurts herself and, and others and runs away. And if, if we turn her loose and there's nothing else we can do for her, so we just tie her up. That night as the pastor was speaking, the Lord spoke to him and said, tell the congregation, now, this is kind of bold. 
I don't know if you've ever been in a position of speaking, but the Holy Spirit will tell you something sometimes and you argue with him in your mind. And he, the, God told him, said, tell them that you're going to pray for that little insane girl across the tree, tie, or across the village tied to the tree. Tell them you're going to do it in the name of Jesus that you've been preaching about. Tell them that through him you're going to break the evil powers controlling her and that when she is fine and normal, they can then know that what you are preaching is true. After a little argument with, the, with, with God, the pastor did it. He prayed. He took authority. He bound. He basically said this, Satan, I break your hold over this young lady in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command you to loose your hold over her and let her go now. That little prayer. That moment Jesus came out of hiding, the kingdom of God came, became real. And all of a sudden, God was relevant, sufficient, available. A hidden Jesus emerged from the cobwebs of theology and he became real and he set the girl free. Guess what? The whole village turned to Jesus. Now, we... Why can't that ha happen in San Juan Capistrano or Mission Viejo or Ladera Ranch or, you know, any of the cities here? Call things into being. You're a kingdom citizen. And you, you've got to start operating in your purpose. Now, let me say this. People say, well, pastor, I don't have the gift of intercession. There's no such thing as a gift of intercession. There, you look through the Bible, there's no such thing. Every priest is responsible to be an intercessor. We're a kingdom priest. It's called the priesthood of all believers. And as we are the priesthood of all believers, once you come to Jesus, you're in his kingdom as a kingdom citizen. You become a king and you become a priest. You, you become a king because he imputes righteousness to you. You have a position. It's not, I, I, people say, well, pastor, I'm not very righteous. I know you aren't. When you come to Jesus, he imputes his righteousness. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus. He sees the work of Jesus on your life, and that's why you're righteous. He imputes it. He gives it to you. All right? That's your position. Then you have to operate in your function, which is to be loosing through prayer. Now, oh, we got so much. I'll, I'll close with this. The Bible says there are bowls of heaven and there are bowls of wrath. And I, I, if you'll hear me speak enough, you will hear me say that prayers never die. Do you know the prayers that were said over this area years ago are still living in God's bowl? See, what happens is God's, God collects the prayers of the saints. He puts them in bowls. And once they fill the bowl, he, pulls, he pours the bowl over for righteousness to happen in wherever it is. But there's also the bowl of wrath filled up with the sins of the people. So I just, I ask you today, which, which bowl is going to be turned over first? If we catch this and we start praying, this community, this nation could, could turn around. I'm telling you this, I've never lived in a day like this where evil is good and good is evil. I'm going, who told you that? You know, I'm thinking, everybody thinks right is good and they just, uh, or right is evil and evil is good. It just doesn't make sense anymore. And I think right now the church is in its best 
position to offer answers because we're kingdom citizens. We're not just Christians. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm ambassador. God sent me here to represent my heavenly, his heavenly interests on earth. So whether you're at work, at home, at school, in neighborhood, with family, you are a righteous citizen of God to command his blessing, his influence, his will in that regard. And I'm done, sort of. So, that this for this purpose were you made. Come on, if this doesn't excite you, there's another church down the street that you could. Come on, you got to get it. You got to get. I'm telling you, I'm I'm giving you revelation that you will not hear very many places, because you got to catch it. You see, if you don't understand the kingdom, you will never understand prayer, because prayer is in the capsule and in the realm of the kingdom of God. All right. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.